All right, next we're going to talk about operant conditioning. Influential on the development of Skinner's operant conditioning, Thorndike, 1905, proposed the law of effect or the idea that if a behavior proposes a favorable consequence in the future when the same stimulus is present, we will be more likely to make the response again. So it's like cause and effect. Expecting the same favorable consequence. Likewise, if our action leads to dissatisfaction, there will not be a repeated a repetitive, excuse me, behavior in the future. He developed the law of effect thanks to his work with a puzzle box. Cats were food deprived the night before the experimental procedure was to occur. The next morning, researchers placed a hungry cat in the puzzle box and set a small amount of food outside the box, just close enough to be smelled. The cat could escape the box and reach the food by manipulating a series of levers. Once free, the cat was allowed to eat some food before being promptly returned to the box. With each subsequent escape and reinsertion into the box, the cat became faster at correctly manipulating the levers. This scenario demonstrates trial and error learning or making a response repeatedly if it leads to success. Thorndike also said that stimulus and responses were connected by the organism and this led to learning. This approach to learning was called connectionism. Operant conditioning is a type of associative learning which focuses on consequences that follow a response or behavior that we make, anything we do, say, think, or feel, and whether it becomes a behavior more or less likely to occur. This should sound much like what you just read about in the terms of Thorndike's work. Skinner talked about contingencies or when one thing occurs due to another. Think of it as if the if-then statement. If I do X, then Y will happen. So if I go out and find a job, I will get that job. For operant conditioning, this means that if I make a behavior, then a specific quantity, quantity consequence will follow the events response and consequence are linked in time so what form do these consequences take there are two main types and they present themselves as reinforcement the first due to the consequence a behavior response is strengthened and more likely to occur in the future and punishment due to the consequence a behavior response is weakened and less likely to occur in the future so if you go out and do something and it was great, and you had a great time doing it. You are reinforced because you had an amazing time doing it. You're all excited. It worked out well. Now, the other, um, the the, uh, if-then would be the, you know, it could be the reinforcement, but it could also be the punishment. So if you went out and you did something, and then a consequence was, the consequence was that the behavior response weakened how you actually presented yourself then maybe you had a bad experience and you didn't get that job that you wanted so there is a positive and a negative in these reinforcement and punishment um, oppositional connotations meaning they do not apply good or bad positive means that they are giving something good or bad negative means that something is being taken away good or bad um, so let's go through each positive punishment PP 
If something bad or aversive is given or added, then the behavior is less likely to occur in the future. If you talk back to your mother and she slaps your mouth, this is a PP. So like for a child who's talking, who's talking back to their mother and they put soap in their mouth or something, which is terrible to do, but that's what they used to do back in the day. Or they get slapped in the face. Your response of talking back led to the consequence of the aversive slap being given to your face. Ouch. Positive reinforcement PR. If something good is given or added, then the behavior is more likely to occur in the future. If you study hard and receive an A on your exam, you will more likely be wanting to study harder in the future. Similarly, uh, another like adverse, not adverse, another um, another good deed for something is it if a parent gives a child money for doing stellar performance at school, right? Cha-ching, money. Okay, negative reinforcement, NR. This is a tough one for students to comprehend because, because the terms seem counterintuitive. Even though we experience negative reinforcement all of the time, negative reinforcement is when something bad or ad- adversive is taken away or subtracted due to your actions, making it that you will be more likely to make the same behavior in the future when the same stimulus presents itself. For instance, what do you do if you have a headache? If you take Tylenol and the pain goes away, you will likely take Tylenol in the future when you have a headache. However, that's a current escape mechanism or future avoidance behavior. What does this mean? Escape occurs when we are presently experiencing an aversive event and and want it to end right away. However, we make a behavior and if that aversive event like the headache goes away, we will repeat taking the Tylenol in the future, which by the way, if you take too much Tylenol, it's really bad for your liver. This future action is an avoidance event. We might start to feel a headache coming on and run to take a Tylenol right away. By doing so, we have removed the possibility of the aversive event occurring, and this behavior demonstrates that learning has occurred. So you know that it's like running for a drug because you feel like it will give you that immediate high, but then when it come, when you come down and your dopamine and serotonin levels are down again, you want to run back to, to have that drug of choice. But in reality, it's saying that it's just an escape from reality. So negative punishment, NP, is when something good is taken away or subtracted, making a behavior less likely in the future. If you are late to class and and your professor deducts five points from your final grade, the points are something good and the loss is negative. You will hopefully be on time in all subsequent classes. So what's happening here is that there are different reinforcers and different connotations for negative punishment and negative reinforcement. I mean, there's there's a ton of different things that we could talk about here, but I think I kind of made it clear. The type of reinforcer or punisher we use is crucial. Some are naturally occurring while others need to be learned. We describe these as primary and secondary reinforcers and punishers. Primary refers to reinforcers and punishers that have had their effect without having to be learned. Food, water, temperature, and sex, for instance, are primary reinforcers. While extreme colds are hot or a punch on the arm are inherently punishing. So like when you get scorched with a, with a, like a, you're, on, you're on the stove and you get scorched, right? That's, um, that would be something that you can't control, right? A story will illustrate the latter. When I was about eight years old, I would walk up the street in my neighborhood saying, this is just an example. I didn't say this. 
I'm chicken little and you can hurt me. Most ignored me, but some gave me the attention I was seeking, a positive reinforcer. So I kept doing it and doing it until one day another kid grew tired of hearing about my other identity and punched me in the face. The pain was enough that I never walked that I never walked up and down the street echoing my identity crisis for all to hear. This was a positive punisher that did not have to be learned and definitely not one of my finer moments in life. Well, for someone who's a little kid just screaming chicken little, no one should be punching them in the face. Secondary or conditioned reinforcers and punishers are not inherently in reinforcing or punishing, but must be learned. An example was the attention I received for saying I was chicken little. Over time, I learned that attention was good. Other examples of secondary reinforcers include praise, a smile, getting money for working or earning good grades, stickers on a board, points, getting to go out, dancing, and getting out of an exam if you were doing well in a class. Examples of secondary punishers include a ticket for speeding, losing television or video game privileges as a child, ridicule, or a fee for paying your rent or credit card bill late. Really, the sky is the limit of the reinforcers in particular. In operant conditioning, the rule for determining when and how often we will reinforce the desired behavior is called the reinforcement schedule. So this is really, these kind of kinds of things are really for parents, for children, but obviously it can lead into an adult life when it comes to like law and finances and not wanting to go to jail, you know. Um, reinforcement can either occur continuously, meaning every time the desired behavior is made, the subject will receive some reinforcement or intermittently partially, meaning reinforcement does not occur with every behavior or, excuse me, our focus will be on partial intermittent reinforcement. So, um, two key components, a fixed variable would be a reinforcement occurring at a set rate, rate of reinforcement changing ratio or interval the number of correct responses time elapsed between correct responses so obviously like i said these are things that we need to consider in all aspects of life mostly with parents uh, trying to control their children's behaviors and trying to make them better so that when they become adults they don't act the way that they think that the world revolves around them although children will probably learn that on their own by the time they're about 12 or like 15 the latest um so then when you reinforce what is being reinforced it will be either fixed or set or a variable that changes in terms of what is being reinforced we will either reinforce responses or time and we will get into the next part in the latter thanks